Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to a brand new Thanksgiving edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. With me once again this week is Matt, and it's the return of Ryan McDowell this week after surviving the horrible storm in Kentucky, sleet and all kinds of mischief got in the way of you joining us last week, Ryan. It was it was a sad, sad episode without you, buddy. It it was sad for me. I missed you guys. I think the worst part is we had this winter storm. I didn't even get a snow day out of it. I had to go to work the next day. It was rough. It was rough, but I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Uh, playoffs right around the corner for most. They're already here in kitchen sink how's the uh how's the stock of five rosters and and your playoff outlook in those ks leagues ryan uh yeah they're going going pretty well i uh i think i made the playoffs in all kitchen sink leagues i can't believe the playoffs i can't believe we're even talking playoffs actually but uh yeah it's playoff time in in those leagues and and for most leagues we've got a couple more weeks so it's it's getting down to it. I saw your tweet, Ryan, about congratulating all the winners, and, and I was one of them in one of the leagues. I, I edged you out in the in the final week of the regular season, I guess, and a few others. So I went through all the leagues and looked at the standings, and, man, those playoffs are stacked. So many good good teams. Uh, Matt, how's your k- kitchen sink outlook for the postseason? <laughs> I've got two rebuilds going, so it's going to be a year or two before <laughs> – before I am uh, in the conversation for kitchen sink. For oh, I, I did not realize that, or I wouldn't oh, have. Oh, I'm sure you. you didn't. But I am the point leader in red list too. Yeah. So you know, there there are there are good and bad leagues for sure this year. I was fortunate enough to make the postseason in four of the five leagues. In uh, kitchen sink one, I have one of those rebuilds, a, a, a solid one and twenty one record. Got me the last uh, last spot in the league in the standings anyway. But let's move on to some news from week 11 as we go into this shortened week 12. First of all, fellas, on Johnson hurt during the game. A real nice start to that game. But he's out for a quote-unquote game or two, according to recent reports. Matt, are you, are you willing to trust any of these other tailbacks in the Detroit backfield? Uh, I think I can trust Theo Riddick as, you know, a flex play, you know, he's got that PPR floor, but I don't want any part of Blunt, really. Uh, the line is still not playing well, and I think if he's just one of those players that if you don't get a touchdown out of him, then you're going to be disappointed. So if, I, if I'm if i a needy flex, if, any, if I need a flex play, especially to get through this Week 12 bye with, you know, all of the good players on the Rams and Chiefs on bye, then uh, I don't mind plugging Theo Riddick in there. Uh, but for the most part, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I still like Riddick. Uh, I mean, he is what you know what what we thought he was. Basically, he's that PPR guy with a, a limited upside. Uh, I know it, it, it seems like everybody was hoping he would get that Golden Tate role, and he hasn't exactly claimed that. So that's uh, that's keeping his usage and his his target total down uh, to to basically what it's been the past couple of years. I don't really want any part of LeGarrette Blunt, and, and they're even starting to talk up Zach Zinner again. I, I can't even believe it. Blast from the past, but I'm, I'm mostly staying away from, really, from the Lions offense altogether, except for maybe our guy Galladay. It's too bad that they cut Amir Abdullah, because maybe it would be his time to shine for these couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I don't know. They, they were obviously beyond that. They were, they were ready to move on from Abdullah, and I, think, I don't think they're regretting it. In Detroit, I, I'm with you guys. I don't want to roll out Blunt. Uh, I don't want to go even really go with Riddick. I do think that the Lions' passing game is is a little more intriguing than what you guys have kind of said over the last couple minutes. I, I would, you know, outside of Galladay, there's not a lot of pass catchers to to throw in a lineup. But Stafford's going to have to sling the ball on Thursday, and I think he's going to have a big game. In fact, it. I think this is going to be the upset that we watch on on Thursday. I think the Lions, after getting throttled by the Bears a couple of weeks ago, are going to knock off the Bears. The home team on Thanksgiving, especially early, that's a big advantage. I I think the Bears will overlook them, and and it's going to be a big day for Stafford. But we're not really a weekly or a daily guy, guys. We're the dynasty guys. And another dynasty injury of note is O.J. Howard, who it was announced is out for the year. That affects just pretty much one player and that's Cameron Braid of course it seems like especially now with Winston Ryan under center that Braid will have a relatively big role Winston and Braid have had a lot of chemistry in the past is this a wide open door for Cameron Braid to finish strong this year once again yeah I think it absolutely is we've seen some inconsistency from well really from that entire offense but especially from their second and third wide receivers Godwin and Deshaun Jackson and as you mentioned over the past two or three years we've seen Brait really serve as a security blanket for Jameis Winston so I, I think he's he's a guy especially uh, if you are a Howard owner in Dynasty you're you're getting close to the playoffs hopefully you you have Brait on your roster as well um tight end has, has just been uh just been full of landmines all season long and, and bright might be the answer for the next few weeks or so matt i think this is perhaps a lesson for dynasty owners really if, if you haven't learned it yet you you don't just handcuff those top running backs with capable backups there are situations at other positions wide receiver tight end uh where it's worth uh, at least a look at getting that back up. Cameron Brait was a cheap asset, especially early this season. He wasn't making a big dent in the in the stat line, and you could get him relatively cheap. And in case of a Howard injury, he's a nice guy to guy to have on the bench if you don't have that second option. That's a top fifteen guy because Brait seems like a guy that'll immediately step in and and come up with the same production as the starter Howard. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess so. I'm not going to get into the business of handcuffing my tight ends, though, unless I'm in these, you know, 30 plus roster spots kind of leagues. But I do think that he has 
I mean, as good shot as finishing a tight end one, as we're going to talk about later, uh, as really anybody in the league for the for the for the rest of the season. So yeah, I mean, if you can even go out and acquire him now for, I don't know, I don't think I really want to pay more than like an early third for him if I'm really starving at tight end. But and I don't know if that really gets it done. I mean, are you guys really willing to pay a second for Brait right now? No, I don't think there's a lot of guys out there willing to pay it unless they have been hammered at the tight end position, thought they had it because of maybe Howard or had it covered, and then got dinged once again. So, you know, if if you're willing to sell him, I'd definitely be asking for a second, but I'd, I'd be surprised if anybody anybody gave that up. What do you guys think? Where does he finish among tight ends between now and week 16? That, that short game, five-game stretch, Matt, how highly can he be finish? He's probably a top 10 guy, fringe, fringe top 10 to 12, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Again, just looking at, um, looking at the tight end production from the entire season, we've, we've got Kelsey and Ertz at the top, of course, and we feel safe about both of those guys. Uh, George Kittle is, has come on. But Howard now injured. Eric Ebron seems to be fading fast with with Doyle back. And, and the next guy's kind of in line. I'm looking at, uh, judging by tight end one games overall this season, Trey Burton, Jimmy Graham. I don't know if we feel all that comfortable with those guys. Uh, I would have <clears throat> I would have Bray kind of in that same conversation. conversation. So we're talking about Bray as high as a mid-tight end one for the rest of the year. Yeah, I completely agree. And when I suggested obviously the handcuff for a tight end i was thinking about those deeper leagues 20 team 20 roster roster spots doesn't make room for something like that but in a dynasty we should be talking about 25 30 maybe even more uh those are those are the spots you you think about those things alex smith another guy out for the year gruesome injury didn't look good immediately and all the stuff around the injury and 33 years that man that's crazy but as far as dynasty goes, Ryan, what do you think? What's the effect on it, on the pass catchers for the Redskins going forward? Um, I'm not sure any of these guys really matter, honestly. Um, I think Jordan Reed is is the one that comes to mind, and uh, it's a very small sample size with Colt McCoy. But he looked better in that half or, or whatever whatever it was that that part of the game on Sunday with Colt McCoy than he has for most of the season with Alex Smith. Um, and then you, you look at the receivers and it's Josh Dotson and, and Paul Richardson's out. Uh, Jamison Crowder's been out Maurice Harris. Like I just, I don't really care about any of these guys, honestly, for this year or I mean, outside of outside of Crowder really for dynasty either. Matt, I kind of feel like Reed's value actually might go up quite a bit with this. He had 11 targets last week, and he hasn't had any kind of uh, volume like that all year. So a lot of that, like Ryan said, came after the switch at quarterback, and McCoy is going to look down to that that trusted you know security blanket, the tight end right over the middle. I think Reed... If he can stay healthy, which is always attached to Reed, could could make a big in, impact over the next five weeks. 
Yeah, what kind of bizarro world are we living in right now where all of these Redskins are injured, but somehow Jordan Reed is still healthy? <laughs> Darius guys, now Alex Smith, God, what a horrible injury. I mean, I have I have faith he can probably come back. He was 34. They made a big deal about it, how it happened 33 years to the day as the Joe Theismann injury. He was 36 when it happened, so... You know, I have to think he can come back. Uh, in terms of how it affects the pass catchers, I think the only answer really is Reed. He's the only one we care about just because and, – and really that's mostly because tight end is such a <laughs> such a, a dumpster fire as we've been say, talking about here with, with Braid as a mid-tight end one, right? Um, Doxon I don't want any part of. Crowder – I really like Crowder, honestly, but he just hasn't been able to get it done this year. I, I think really the only ones we care about are Reed and maybe Adrian Peterson for – you know, three or four more games here as we, as we wind down the season. But otherwise, I don't really want any part of this this offense at all. Um, and, and Peterson, honestly, the, the splits – I don't have the numbers in front of me, unfortunately, but the splits between Washington wins versus Washington losses are ridiculous. He's averaging something like 100 yards a game in wins and, and 20 to 25 yards, something like that, in losses. And I don't know how many more wins we think we're going to get – from the from Washington this year, but it seems like the outlook for for Peterson even is not very good. So so maybe it's really just Reed here. Yeah, I was actually looking at those Peterson numbers earlier today, and not not necessarily counting stat yardage or, or things like that, but just looking at his fantasy finish in wins. His average uh, fantasy rank is RB seventeen, uh, and and of course he's got a few high points in there and inside the top ten. Uh, and then in losses, he is averaging an RB 34 finish. So yeah, very, very game script dependent for sure. Yeah. And we'll see how that plays out. Matt, you mentioned the bizarro similarities and the whole Smith and Theismann stuff. I'm sure you guys saw the tweet that went around, uh, early in the week about it was 33 years to the day. The score was exactly the same. The two quarterbacks had exactly the same amount of passing yards that's crazy super coincidental obviously but uh when i saw that i had to look it up to make sure that was right that somebody wasn't wrong about that but in fact it was so my, my favorite one of those was <clears throat> that romeo Cornell was on the sidelines for both games <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure let's move on to the rookie report card guys the uh it was like back in draft season all those rookie drafts were going on and it, there was a lock 101 this past year. I, I used the 101 this week and wrote about Saquon Barkley because I hadn't covered him just yet. He, he had a just monster game the other day. And it's so easy to write about Barkley, just as easy it is to watch him play. He looks so smooth. And considering that line, offensive line, which is currently ranked 26th, uh, he's been so impressive. So he, he's obviously the fantasy rookie of the year. Um, I wrote at the end of the art article that he's one of the players that you feel comfortable saying he could be the number one overall p- pick in startups for multiple years to come. You can't say much more about a guy's upside in Dynasty, can you, Matt? No, I mean, we're we're watching the 2018 version of Bo Jackson, you know? That's, yeah, I, I like feel that. like that's what... Yeah, well, that's what we're watching right now. And I was having some conversation with some other folks uh, about him and like what it would take necessarily for for someone to sell Saquon uh, right now. And 
we got up to the four to five first round pick level and people still were very hesitant to say, yes, I will sell him for four to five first round picks. So that just tells you how valuable this guy is right now at, you know, the position, which, which really honestly gives you the biggest edge in fantasy football right now. So uh, people don't want to move him. And honestly, I can't say I necessarily disagree with moving without, without moving him for four first round picks. You know, that seems like an awful lot. And I don't, I don't know if there's any other player we could say that about maybe, maybe Gurley, I guess, but I mean, where where would you guys be on that? If somebody came to your door right now and you had Saquon, are you and for four four random first round picks, are you taking that deal? Well, I I think at this point you need one of those other r- ridiculous top end running backs to come along in the trade plus something. It seems yeah. like that to me. If you're getting Zeke plus some stuff that'll help you out, I can see those kind of deals being made. But I, I don't think anybody's walking up to even a guy with the 101 next year and saying, yeah, I'll take your next five first-round picks, including the 101. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I actually don't have Barkley <clears throat> in any leagues, unfortunately. I wish I did, but if I did and, and I was offered four first-rounders, four random first-rounders, uh, maybe not knowing exactly where they might land, it's, it's a pretty easy reject for me. Absolutely. He's been so much fun to watch. And and like I said, that offensive line is horrible. Can you imagine what the leading running back for the Giants would be right now? What would Wayne Gallman look like behind that offensive line? It, it'd be it'd be hideous. Uh, the other running back, <laughs> rookie running back, that is, that I wrote about this week is, of course, Gus Edwards. Came out of nowhere for most. I actually knew a little bit i had heard of gus edwards before uh before he broke out here recently i was wondering guys what did did you ever hear about edwards coming into week 11 um no (laughs) is it no but isn't that great ryan you are plugged in You're, you're very plugged into what's going on you read a lot of stuff you see everything that's out there And he didn't exist to most people, unless you were a fan of Rutgers or a diehard Baltimore fan and watched him in the preseason, because apparently he played there. I I watched Baltimore in the preseason. I I don't recall remembering him. Uh, And, you know, because I'm a big fan of Big Ten football, I do remember, I recalled him. I looked it up during that game to see if that was the same guy that I watched at Rutgers. And so I had a little bit of a background with him and, and I remembered him as kind of a, a big guy that had a little bit of speed or enough to get around the corner, but no moves whatsoever. He, he just ran into people kind of, and I, I didn't think he was a pro prospect at all. So who, isn't there something among the dynasty community? There's got to be somebody out there that was hyping Gus Edwards or, or knew about him and said, <laughs> pick him in the fourth round of your rookie drafts. I looked at every one of my 16 uh, dynasty leagues. Not one of them was he picked, and some of them went seven rounds. There's got to be something out there. Somebody in the media, somebody somewhere saying, keep your eye on this guy Edwards. If he starts to get the ball ever, he'll have a role. He's been active for a handful of weeks in a row. He's been getting carries. What what are we missing here? Because nobody knew about Gus Edwards, Matt. Yeah, I, I knew the name because of, you know, when you're – 
like week one, you're scrolling through the waivers and yeah. all of our super deep leagues, and you're just looking for something. You're grinding, trying to find somebody. And I was like, Gus Edwards, Ravens, who is this guy? Uh, so that's the only thing I know about him. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, honestly, I mean, are we, are we going to feel comfortable plugging him in at any point? I mean, maybe if we get next week he comes in and gets another, what, five or 15 carries or out, out snaps Alex Collins again then uh, maybe we'll feel comfortable then. But I can't imagine plugging him right now. I mean, just as easily they could go back to Collins uh, in week 12 here. So I, 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 I think everybody should be adding him on waivers, certainly, because there's really nothing out there, honestly. You know, these guys like, like Gus Edwards. But I don't know about starting him, at least for at least maybe till we get to the playoffs. And then you're in the playoffs, and you really want to start a guy named Gus Edwards who we knew nothing about before week 11 uh, at that point. So... I think you add him as a depth piece, but uh, I, I just it doesn't feel great to plug him in or to check that box in MFL. I think I think we can probably say that about a lot of it's guys true. that we're going to have to start in Week Twelve. Of course, we know the Rams and the Chiefs are going to be uh, on by, and that takes out a lot of key uh, players that we've been relying on in our starting lineup. I, I heard, and and I, as I said, I, I didn't know a ton about Gus Edwards. I actually thought when when I was watching him on Sunday, I thought, oh, yeah, I, I, I picked this guy up in some of my leagues a few weeks ago and, and ended up dropping him. And I went back and that was somebody named DeLance Turner. So that was <laughs> I have a that De- was, I have a DeLance Turner share, at least one for sure. So that was that was some other deep, deep Ravens running back. But uh, I, I had gotten those guys confused. But um the point that was made by uh, someone, uh, uh, I've forgotten who, but basically that Edwards' running style, he is he is the, a big guy kind of pounding it through the line, that his running style really mixes well with Lamar Jackson and, and his speed and his, uh, his propensity to, to get out of the pocket and, and get out on the edge and, and take off with it. So that, uh, you know, like we might typically see with, you know, a Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, how they play off each other, that Edwards and Jackson are, are, we're almost doing that same thing Sunday. And I think Edwards had 17 carries. We know Lamar Jackson had 27, which is crazy. So seeing those two guys as, as some type of new age running back by committee is kind of interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And it was something I was actually thinking about today as I was, uh, gathering my thoughts, I guess, when it when it comes to Gus Edwards, is I wondered if if he was featured because of something between the two, between he and the rookie quarterback. Is there something that the coaching staff specifically liked with those two? Were they working on the practice squad together? Did they feel like they had a good connection for those off tackle handoffs? Something like that. And then maybe Collins had trouble handling handoffs from Jackson that we can practice, whatever it may be. So I'm like you guys. I'm, I'm not immediately going to say let's plug him into our lineups, but we have to spend every dollar of our FAAB this week on, on Gus Edwards because nothing else is is going to pop up. And even if you're out of the playoffs in kitchen sink, put it on him. Go get him. I, I agree with all that, but it, it seems like a pretty big stretch to say that these two form some kind of chemistry in, in training camp or whatever. I, I know we do this with wide receivers and quarterbacks all the time, but it, it feels like there's just as many examples of them not caring about who they work with on practice field. And, and to go down to handoffs, I, I mean, that's, I don't know if I can go with you there, Dan. To me, it's more about Alex Collins. 
right? I mean, they they tried to give his carries, including goal line carries, to Buck Allen earlier in the year. That didn't go well. They traded for Ty Montgomery. It's small sample size, but that's been a bust so far. And essentially, they're just turning to whatever option they have left. And and in this case, Gus Edwards was the next guy up. Alex Collins leads the league in lost fumbles. And uh, this is a team that it, it feels like they haven't had a good year. They're five and five, but that's that's the record of the the wild card, the second wild card team right now. Um, now, when you get down to tiebreakers and all those things, I'm not sure which team that actually is. But the last playoff team right now in the AFC is five and five. So they're in the playoff hunt um, and, and they're not going to let Alex Collins blow their chances with another lost fumble. Matt, I really don't think that was a crazy conspiracy theory. I, I think there could be something to that because he came out of nowhere. All of a sudden he was getting carries. Collins got a couple of carries and I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe it was just Edwards had a nice run on his first chance and they said, well, let's give him another one. And he had another nice run. That's per- that's way more likely but I think there's at least a chance that that's what gave him that opportunity. It's it's true. And, and you have to say that he does have a really nice schedule coming up. He's got the Raiders, the Falcons, the Chiefs, and the Bucks all coming up in the next four weeks. So none of those guys are going to scare you. So, I mean, there's a chance for him to, to really break out here. But, I mean, you really have to believe that he's just he's he's taken over Alex Collins so I I think we need to wait one more data point at least for me I think I need to wait to see this next game against the Raiders on Sunday before I'm willing to to really you know commit to putting him in my starting lineup I guess well without a doubt I am killing myself over selecting Akram Wadley as the late round Big Ten running back (laughs) that I liked this past offseason I'm still holding on to him in KS4 so that you can come get him from me, buddy. I, got, I, I, got, I still him. got a couple shares because I, I had <laughs> high hopes for that guy as a pass catcher, but Gus Edwards was the right choice. And I would have never guessed that. Let's go on to some per, some other performances from Week 11 that are worth talking about, and we'll start with running back Peyton Barber, who had 18 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown, Matt. He has been super inconsistent but has – a few big games in recent weeks. Can we trust him to be even a flex right now if you're a contender? I think it's tough because he doesn't really catch too many passes, two two catches for four yards this last week. Um, but he's had some decent games, uh, especially in a points per carry league. I think you're okay there because I think he's going to get the volume. Uh, but I just think he's another one of these players. You're going to be sad if he doesn't get a touchdown. You're going to be looking at eight to ten points, and if I mean that's fine for you know a second flex option, something like that. But to get him up into the running back two tier, maybe even the running back three tier, is going to be rough. I think going forward. So I think in a pinch, especially in week twelve, you got all those high powered players for the Rams and Chiefs on by. You know you can think about him here against the the Forty Niners uh, in Tampa Bay at home there uh, in week in week twelve, but it's tough to really feel like you can trust him. Yeah, I totally agree. Barber has had, uh, he's had two games in the top 10 as a fantasy running back. Um, I, I did not start him those weeks. He's got one other RB two game, all the rest of his games, seven other games outside of the RB three range. So that means RB 37 or, or lower. Um, we just can't count on this guy. And, I, Matt, I know I know you're a fan of him, but I mean he's just not a, he's not a special talent. And even if he were, this this offense this this team is such a disaster. They're going to fall behind every single game, just like we've seen uh, 
basically every week, and they're going to have to throw the ball. So even even if his talent level were uh, something we could count on, his role is not going to be because he doesn't catch passes, Matt, like you said. So no, don't don't use him at all. <laughs> <laughs> don't just don't do it. David Johnson, we are going to use him. Twenty-five for one. 37 also caught a pass for 17 in week 11. His usage has been excellent since Byron Leftwich took over as offensive coordinator. Ryan, is he back to be in that top end running back for you down the stretch here this year? Uh, I think for the rest of this year, sure. Um, he's running back nine since they made the change to Byron Leftwich. And, um, Look, looking at dynasty rankings, though, I know he entered the year as probably as a top three or four running back in, in most dynasty rankings and uh, most likely has fallen off from that. Um, I'm not ready to move him back up yet. Right now, he's he's still towards the back end of my top 10 uh, in, in dynasty backs. And there's just so many good young runners that that I would prefer over him still. But definitely glad to see him kind of kind of back in the right direction and dan i'm really glad we didn't trade him to matt a few weeks ago Yeah, no doubt <laughs> although we were we were looking at joe mixon and i'm still a real big fan of him so uh matt what do you think about johnson and and his potential for the rest of the season well i'm excited to see him as as the true engine of that offense again for sure uh we talked about Saquon Barkley earlier. I did actually move the one share. Well, one of my four shares of Barkley, I moved for David Johnson and a few other pieces. And I was very sad about that <laughs> until this week, really. Um, so I'm excited to see him back there. Top five is pretty much a, is, is a pretty big stretch, though. I think top 10, uh, maybe top eight is, is, is more likely there. Uh, production wise, I think he can be top, top five. No, no problem at all. I still think the talent is there for him to get that, uh, elusive 1000, 1000 season that he's been talking about for the last couple of off seasons. So, uh, I, I think we're going to have to really wait till 2019 to see this offense kind of, kind of gel and take a step forward with, with Josh Rosen and Christian Kirk coming on late. Um, so I, I'm excited for the future, but top five seems pretty strong. Yeah, it's pretty strong, and still a top ten running back is is that's a pretty big tier, especially the if you even if you notch it into two or three tiers, those top ten or twelve guys. There's a lot of good football players in there, and it's obvious that David Johnson belongs in that conversation and has the potential to go on strings where he could be the top scoring fantasy running back for stretches of a season. So anybody that held on through through the lean weeks early this season, there's brighter days ahead. No doubt now that Leftwich is in control of that offense. Let's move on to Philip Lindsay. 11 carries, 79 yards, and the two scored. Looked electric on that longer score. Uh, he bursted through that hole. Looked really good on Sunday afternoon in the Broncos' upset of the char- Chargers. Uh, also threw in four catches for 27 yards. 15 touches in four straight games. Four touchdowns over that stretch. Regularly outperforming and out-touching Royce Freeman, Matt, is he a long-term RB2? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know they invested the high pick in, in Royce Freeman, but 
It seems to me like he's being outplayed right now by Philip Lindsay pretty handily. Royce Freeman did get in the end zone again this this week too, but Lindsay has looked better both between the tackles and as a receiver. So uh, it seems like it's going to be these two going forward, and Lindsay may never and probably will never and and, and wasn't while Freeman was out to to be a workhorse, true workhorse back where he's getting twenty five touches a game. But I don't think he needs that. You know, I think he's fine in that 10 to 20 to any touch range, whether it's 10 carries and five receptions or, or, or vice versa. I think he can be effective in that role. So uh, I don't know about top 20, uh, but I have him right now in the last rankings at running back 23 just behind Rashad Penny. So he, he's knocking on the door of that. I don't think he's going to bust into the top 20. Uh, necessarily, but uh, you know he's he's close. He's a good player. I'm, I'm glad I have him. I'm glad I got him cheap. I like Lindsay as well. I think what I've been most impressed with is is just his ability to to run the ball. I mean, between the tackles and uh, and in general, even when uh, I was watching him a little bit in his in his college uh, days, and, and then through this pre draft process last summer, I just kind of felt uh, or thought of him as a pass catching guy and and maybe that was because of his his small size or whatever it might be but um obviously been one of the really one of the surprises of the entire season um i I can't get him into the top 20 either Uh, he's he's in the kind of the mid 20 range for me uh but that's that's no no disrespect to him yeah no disrespect at all i don't think anybody really saw any of this coming and and you know, projecting towards 2019 and beyond, I, I think the the light is very bright, and there's a good chance that he continues to hold that running back two type uh, value through the off season and into the opening weeks of, of 2019. Last running back we want to talk about this week is Jalen Richard, 11 carries for 61 yards and three pass receptions for 32 on four targets. Gruden called him after the game a 1,000-1,000 guy. He has that kind of potential. More of Gruden's craziness, I guess. Uh, We don't even know if he's necessarily the guy in Oakland down the stretch here. Guys, I've been using him in some spots when I had some bi-week troubles, and the 12 points that he gets me is is enough. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year. Could you see a championship team, Ryan, in a PPR league have him – as the last player in their starting lineup? Uh, no, no, not really. Um, I mean, I would imagine you would just have to be stacked at every other spot, but I think as you kind of alluded to, we've, we've seen a little bit of a ceiling with him around maybe that 15 point range. He's, he's been good for between 10, 12, 14 points, maybe a week. And, and he is getting, getting plenty of targets, which is a good thing. And in, uh, in, in PPR leagues, like we play, play in but i'm i'm just avoiding that offense i've i've had to use him in a couple leagues as well dan but i wasn't happy about it yeah i wasn't happy going in but when he put up a 12 i say boy that could have been a lot worse when when i got three guys on by and a couple of injuries or whatever matt what are your thoughts he's kind of like the discount james white or theoretic or whatever you want to call it right and, and oakland is so bad they're going to be playing from behind uh, most weeks, I would I would think, which you know puts him on the field. He, it started out the year when Marshawn Lynch was healthy as him being in there and in these passing situations when they're behind and these two minute drills when they don't want to change up the personnel on the field and it's kind of grown into a full blown uh, change of pace back, whatever you want to call it. Uh, for, for as as we go down the stretch here, um, so 
I can I can see it on this last bye week here coming up in week 12. But yeah, unless you just want to bake that bank that eight to ten points and, and think your starters elsewhere are are strong enough to to pull pull him along, then I, I don't think that you're probably going to want to start him if you don't have to. Yeah, I, I, don't, I certainly don't want to, and I don't think that a championship team is going to have him in their lineup regularly. Uh, much rather have him on the bench, for sure. Let's move on to wide receivers, gentlemen. Let's start with, we're going to talk about some young guys here. Traquan Smith, it seems like we talk about him every other week or so. He had that huge breakout on Sunday afternoon, 10 for 157 and a score on 13 targets. Um you know, he's jumped up and down, a little inconsistent, of course, and in that offense he's going to be because there are so many options. But for those of us who sat him on the bench in favor of other options and then watched him catch his 10th pass, Matt, we're, we're kicking ourselves over it. It's going to be hard to keep him out of your lineup going forward, right? Yeah, just just as a product of this offense, you know, we I think we all knew that the talent was there. He wasn't really getting the volume, and then all of a sudden, boom, we we've got the volume. I don't know if we can necessarily count on double digits or even even eight targets every single week, but he has the ability to kind of kind of kind of succeed on, on a lower target, which you've shown shown earlier in the 2018 season, whatever year it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I know I think he is. You know, if, if you have the choice between Jalen Richard and Tra- Traquan Smith as the last spot in your starting lineup, I'm going to go ahead and take Traquan every time. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think we can be relatively confident uh, in starting him now, uh, just based really on the offense that he's going to be in and, and, the, and the target share that he could get, especially in these higher scoring matchups that they have uh, coming down the stretch here. Yeah, I, I think we saw the the highest of highs, right, with yeah, Traquan Smith sure. this past week. and uh, But just, just the week before... He wasn't even targeted, and and that's happened a couple other times in this uh, this season as well. In fact, before his 13 target game this week, his uh, his high was six targets. Uh, we saw Michael Thomas only get four targets uh, on on Sunday. So I, I mean, I feel pretty confident saying he's never going to out target Michael Thomas the rest of the season, and I'm surprised it it even happened once. I'm not confident starting him, but yeah. Talking about that last guy in your lineup, he obviously has, uh, he's got the upside. So, and if I, if it's just more of a situation where I've got him on the end of my bench and I've stashed him and, and looking forward to the next few years, then yeah, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I'm happy about it too. We talked about him a, a few weeks ago in the rookie report card and we kind of all settled on any second round pick to get Traquan. Did that performance change that for you? Are you, are you giving up the 10th pick in a rookie draft? for him maybe the eighth pick Brian probably not quite that high okay um I mean if we if we push it to end of first you know if I've got a a championship team and it's 11 12 pick then maybe but up to eight I, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet yeah I feel about the same late late first early second I'm all in I don't know about that 108 range though Let's go on to another rookie receiver that we're probably giving up a higher draft pick for. That's DJ Moore, 7 for 157 and a touchdown on 10 targets. Man, he had a big role. Ryan, you and I talked about him leading up to Sunday's uh, deadline to put in rosters. You and I share a team where we had Moore and Ridley, and I questioned you for starting Moore over Ridley. 
The more I looked at it, I finally agreed. Let's roll with more. You got a good feeling. I don't feel too bad about it. And it was a good choice. He had a huge role in a big game. Came through big time. Seems like the Panthers are finding ways to get him the ball. That all said, this might be the same thing as Traquan Smith. This might be the most volume he gets. Although it's hard to imagine them not trying to or trying not to increase his role by the week going forward. Well, I don't think Moore has anything close to Michael Thomas in front of him, or um, I guess he does have the the Alvin Kamara type player with uh, Christian McCaffrey there uh, stealing targets out of the backfield. But to me, Moore not only is their best receiver, he's been their best receiver for about a month now. And I think that shows if you look at targets, if you look at um, snap rate, if you look at routes run, he has eclipsed Devin Funchess in basically all of those uh, categories. Now, on that offense, it's still McCaffrey and Greg Olson as the top two options. So he's still got some some room to grow there to really become the number one option. Being the wide receiver one and being the number one option are definitely not the same thing in that offense. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel great about him if I have him on, on my team. I, he was the wide receiver one in most rookie drafts and and i think he uh even through a a little bit of a rocky stretch early in the season he's held that value and maybe even increased that value we saw ridley have um have a great stretch at the start of the season we saw Cortland sutton kind of gain some value through the the demarius thomas trade and and now we've got more uh, moving up as well. So this has turned into a really strong rookie receiver class. Yeah, it has, no doubt. And Moore has looked more and more comfortable with every week that passes. And, and that coaching staff is, is really starting to use him, as I said earlier, to the best of his abilities, getting him into the open field and not asking him to do, to do too much before getting the ball. His route running is showing strides. I wrote in the rookie report card earlier in the season that that was the thing that was missing. And he's had a couple of those head-turning plays where he said, Oh, that's it. That's it. That's the upside of DJ Moore as a route runner. Matt, you you've been a fan of Moore as well. Anything to add? Uh, I'm a little bit. I don't want to be in the wet blanket here because I really do like TJ Moore. But I think my problem with them is that I, I feel like they just watching the last few Panthers game. It feels to me they use him pretty interchangeably with Curtis Samuels, who's a similar similar player, Jarius Wright, a, a similar player, obviously much less talented, and of course Christian McCaffrey. They seem to all really operate in the same area of the field. What we really need to do is get that garbage pile Devin Funches out of the way and just let him take over that alpha receiver role and then I think we can really see what DJ Moore truly has to offer but right now this week uh, uh, DJ Moore three snaps less than Devin Funches for some reason I know they're very different players they do very different things but I I think we need to see him on the field more than Devin Funches and used in in different ways than these other similar players to him to to really truly unlock the potential, which, uh, you know, I I think is going to happen going forward. So uh, I I really like him. I just am a little bit skeptical just because of those other similar players on the roster. Matt, since you mentioned mentioned Curtis Samuel, let's go to him next. Five for 55 and a score on seven targets, the most in a game targets-wise in his career so far. You mentioned how how DJ Moore and he himself they they play similar roles and and run a lot of the same routes those type of things. Did the Panthers find something this past week with Samuel or was was it just one big game? 
I think they have something with him. I mean, he's been injured basically his entire career. He had that horrible ankle injury. You know, he's finally getting healthy. Um, you know, he's been he he was kind of coined a gadget player in college. He played a lot of running back and wide receiver too. But I think it that just makes him versatile. Like Ryan's guy Randall Cobb when he was when Randall Cobb was actually good, right? So I think they have something fine in him. I, I just. It's it's just again it's confusing what his role is going to be when when DJ Moore does basically the same thing he does and and, and they're such similar players so it's hard for me to really differentiate between these two honestly once you see them on the field. Yeah, I like Samuel as well. I'm I'm having a little more trouble finding that consistent role for him. Um, it it is. Uh, I guess encouraging or, or comforting to see the the targets increasing. I, I don't think that's necessarily a fluke, uh, and and we have seen Funchess's role decline. Not not necessarily his snaps, as Matt pointed out, but uh, his targets are, are have been dropping. His uh, his yardage, his his counting stats have been dropping, and of course that's not by choice of the coaching staff or, or Cam Newton, but that's just Funches himself uh, continuing to struggle. So uh, I would love to see uh, Samuel and, and Moore rolled out there as their, as their full-time receivers, basically. Yeah, I would too. I like what he adds, and he's a little bit on the shorter side and the smaller side and all those things, but there's still room for him, even if, even if DJ Moore is that primary guy. They're, the future's bright right there. Uh, you know, typically we've always talked about Cam Newton needing those bigger targets with the big catch radius because he's known to be inaccurate at times. I don't think it matters when you got these guys; they can get open. So I think Samuel has a has a place for sure, and there there's a pretty good chance that dynasty owners sometime in the future will be relying on him in their in their lineup somewhere. Uh, the last wide receiver I want to talk about today, guys, is Kenny Galladay. 10 catches, 166 yards on 12 targets. Uh, man, he looked good. He finally got that volume that we've always wanted with Marvin Jones out. I, I'm convinced he's going to be a wide receiver one and maybe even a top five wide receiver in dynasty rankings at some point in the future, Ryan. Well, if you look at our current ADP, he's he's knocking on the door. He's wide receiver 13 in our latest ADP. Uh, that's that puts him ahead of AJ Green, Brandon Cooks, Landry, Cooper, Hilton, uh, Robert Woods. Some of those you you might argue with, and and some might feel about right. But looking at the guys ahead of him, Diggs, Juju, Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, uh, he's he's got a big step to to take from wide receiver 13 into that top 12, that wide receiver one range that you mentioned. Uh, I don't I don't see him jumping any of those guys soon but uh it 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 certainly could happen the hype is is there um his, his trade value is is really just off the charts uh, he's he's got he's one of the he's one of the toughest players to trade for right now and that that doesn't mean he's the most valuable but just seeing how his value has grown so quickly uh players loved him even uh, dynasty players loved him even before he was producing and and now that he is they they feel a little vindicated and, and that makes a player's value go up. Absolutely. And it took me so, I was always hesitant. I always liked Galladay just like everybody else. But the problem was when he was the wide receiver 36 and wasn't playing, 
in in rankings and and in ADP. So I wasn't willing to pay that price. And then he was the wide receiver twenty four in ADP. And wow, he's still not really doing much. That and that wasn't that long ago, really. And then he made the big jump and all those things. And now he's putting up the 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 numbers to really make that value uh, real. And now that I've caught up, it seems like he's it's going to cost you top five wide receiver price tag to to get him on your team. And I'm on board. I think he's going to be a top five wide receiver at some point. Now, if you can get any kind of discount on him, it, I think it's worth it. If you can't, that that's a little bit of a stretch. Matt, what are your thoughts? I've moved them up to wide receiver 15 in my recent rankings in the same tier with Diggs, Cooks, and Juju. So I feel pretty good about them there, just ahead of Hilton, Landry, Cup, those guys. Um, but I don't think you can buy them for wide receiver 15 prices at all. Uh, I've seen I've seen trades rejected AJ Green for him straight up like that's not happening anymore. Uh, you can't you can't get him for AJ Green. I, I feel like I'd still kind of rather have AJ Green honestly, um, just because of the certainty what we know we're getting with him, and I think he's going to be good for the next couple of years. But uh, it's hard to argue with what he's done this year. I think NFL defenses are are going to start shifting coverage over to him more and more. And what I know this isn't really what you asked about, but uh, what I'm really excited about with Galladay, honestly, is all my Marvin Jones shares because he's going to get single coverage pretty soon here. I think. Yeah, he, he probably will, and it's a good point. I I know Kenny Galladay is a big reason that I've decided, and I decided early, early this season that I was going to try to get ahead of guys like this that you have the feeling about. You really want him on your team, but he's expensive and maybe even more expensive than what you think you should be paying. I I did it with Traquan Smith a few weeks ago. I sent out a lot of second-round pick offers, and it only landed in one league, but now I have Traquan Smith in one extra lead. Did it with DJ Moore very early in the season. He wasn't really getting a lot of playing time, and I thought, what the heck, let's send a future first for DJ Moore. It happened in one league. So... I think the lesson for me and Kenny Galladay, I've learned it many times, but Kenny Galladay is the guy that's going to stick in my mind as, as the, the player that taught me the lesson for the final time. If you like a player, even if you have to pay 10 spots higher in ADP or 20 in some cases, you should. You should really do it because when you're right and you didn't cash in on it, it hurts so bad. Yeah, Dan, one one more thing on the Galladay ADP. This this might really sting a little bit more as recently as August. So uh, our, our last month of off season dynasty ADP, he was outside of the top 100 overall and he was the wide receiver 48. Oh man, that hurts. (laughs) Yeah. My memory is not good then because I I didn't, I I didn't know that, that now I feel worse. Yeah. That's awful. It was, it, it was a quick jump from him for him, basically from, the beginning of last season, so September of 2017, uh, he was wide receiver 51, and he stayed in that 40 to 50 range, mostly in the 40s, all the way until October. October, he was wide receiver 20. He went from 42 to 20, and then he went from 20 to 13. Yikes. Yeah, huge rise for Galladay in the Dynasty community, and worth it, in my opinion now. I wish I wasn't so late to finally say that. Uh, let's skip tight ends guys. Cause there's, there's nothing really to talk about there. It's been such a dumpster fire all year long and skip right down to the quarterback that all of us have wanted to talk about. Lamar Jackson finally got his first shot on the field or at least extended playing time. 
uh 13 for 19 passing for 150 yards did throw the interception but it was him on the ground that dynasty owners everywhere are talking about the baltimore coaching staff was obviously trying to keep to protect the quarterback from from throwing too much and making mistakes and maybe damaging uh his confidence or something like that ryan was it what you were expecting when lamar jackson got named the starter and as a jackson owner are you encouraged by that performance it, it was what I was expecting as far as that um, that run heavy um, production from him. Uh, I, I, it sounds crazy, but I expected him to run for over 100 yards. I know that's that's the first time that's happened for a, a, a first time starter uh, at the quarterback position. But the, I mean, the 27 carries is really what should get our attention there. Not only was it a record for any quarterback as far as the number of carries in, in NFL history, but it's, uh, it's something that is not going to, it's, it's not going to happen every week. I, I really hope it doesn't at least because um, I don't think his, I don't, I don't think he'll last long if that's, if that's the case. I'm, I, I was not encouraged. I would say actually I was a little, discouraged probably um that it it he didn't break a big run first of all and and i know some games every game is going to be different in in that way he he will break big runs and 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 score touchdowns on the ground but this this offense just doesn't seem like a fit for lamar jackson's game um and i said it on on the dynasty blueprint earlier today and i'll say it here I almost feel like he's a sell high at this point. Wow. Those are big words for, from Ryan McDowell, for sure. I I was also discouraged a little bit. I I was, I was looking for that, those one or two throws where you nodded your head and said, yep, that's the upside. That's the thing. The wheels, the, the quick movements and and all the running is kind of the given that we all knew about. And you said you expected a hundred yard game. I expected a big game for sure. Expected him to get double digit carries for sure. Not 27. And he did protect himself. Well, he got down a lot, stepped out of bounds without taking unnecessary hits. And those were all good things and, and things that you can be encouraged by. But overall the, the passing and he didn't have a lot of attempts, only 19. They had the ball a lot. Uh, a lot of them were short dink and dunk type throws and, and I just didn't see one of those throws that would make me think, okay, you can be that runner right away the, the first few years of your career. Then when does the things click and you, you go and do the Michael Vick thing and start really contribute, contributing with the arm for, for fantasy? Matt, I'm sure you saw Lamar Jackson play. What were your overall thoughts? Man, you guys are such downers. 27 carries, the most in NFL history. The last time a quarterback has done that was Tim Tebow at 22 in 2011. Tim Tebow was a quarterback one. I'm sure you guys remember the 2011 season when Tim Tebow was a quarterback one in fantasy football. And I definitely don't think he's going to rush 27 times or even 20 times every game. Uh, But if he rushes 10 times a game, I'm pretty okay with that. And I think we forget that or maybe it was just me that thought that, but I, I really thought that he was really coming into this, 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 this season was one of the best pocket passers in the 2018 quarterback class. Um, and I don't think that, that his arm has really caught up to his feet yet, but it's been one game. I'm confident that he's going to be able to get something. I will say that I am not starting John Brown or any other receiver on the Ravens for, for the foreseeable future. Um, but I really think he's going to come around. I'm optimistic there. You, you don't have, 
very many quarterbacks, especially in one quarterback leagues that are difference makers. And I really think that Jackson can become that. Uh, right now he's got a nice floor with his feet. If the passing comes around, I think he has that, you know, we, we could be talking about him in the, the same breath as we're talking about guys like Deshaun Watson, maybe not quite up to, to Carson Wentz in the, the very top tier. But uh, I, I think he's, he's going to be right there in that top eight conversation not too, not too long from now. Mm, I, I thought it was a clear sign watching that football game that that Baltimore coaching staff has not seen a passer that they trust to put the ball in the air very much. And, and it looked like it looked to me that they were trying to limit his passes as much as possible. Again, that could all change, but I, I didn't see it as a good sign. And, and it was only one game. He could, it could be totally different a week from now if he gets another, another start. So uh, lots to digest. Really. There, there was a lot of good football in week 11. Week 12 is even better with the three Thursday games. And of course on Thanksgiving, and lots of good football again. We'll be back to talk about it a week from now. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next